Fashion Lab on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Fashion Lab Show. My name is Lisa Gumba Regis Ford, and on today's show, we are talking the textile industry. Now, close to 10% of the world's cotton comes from Africa. We, I hope we all know that. And most of this cotton is then taken to Asia for further manufacturing. Now, the good news is obviously that the African textile industry is here and is definitely on a comeback mode. Um, historically, South Africa, which is one of the biggest garment producers on the African continent, has experienced falling production over last the last 15 years or so. But 2016 has definitely seen a new energy injected in this industry. New jobs have been created. Um, I think this industry has undoubtedly provided room for industrialization, economic growth, and job creation. Now, there's a report I came across um, from Andreas Becker for DW. Dot com And um, he's basically saying in the 80s, um, he's speaking about the African countries which did not even have ex, uh, textile industries and now have been squeezed out of the market from, you know, competition from, you know, continents like Asia who've really taken charge of this um, space. Africa is the average, um, they say, the average spindle speed is about 10,000 rounds per minute. That same spindle in China is running 20 thousand rounds per minute that means the chinese or the indian spindle is producing twice as much um this is just Betty, a kenyan businessman who's also sharing he sits on the bottom of the africa i mean he sits on the board of the african cotton and textile industries federation and he also speaks about the energy costs in africa which are almost twice as high as china or india now when you calculate your costs and benefits you're actually four times worse off your cost is literally double and your production is half. I'm going to put up this um, link. Uh, it's a very interesting conversation, interesting facts about where this African textile industry is. And uh, we'll share that with you on Twitter. Um, on the flip side, we also have West Africa, which is fast becoming the heartbeat of the culture and fashion in the continent. Now, the average person um, is aware of wooden, I'm sure, in the continent. Uh, we're also aware of Vlisco. And GTP, some of the brands associated with the bold, colorful fabrics known as African prints. But African print is not what it seems these days. There's a lot of fake fabrics flooding the market and damaging the local um, creativity and profits. I'm also going to share a link uh, right now on Twitter around uh, Leratombella's um, information around Ghana's largest um, textile factory. Um, we keep it locked. This is where we hold it down. We obviously are talking textile industry. We are going to be interviewing or having conversations with some really cool people who are really playing a role as pioneers when it comes to this industry. Um, just amazing industry. So keep it locked. I mean, we're on Fashion Lab AF. Share your thoughts with us. Uh, share with us some of the textile brands that you enjoy, whether it's your Verba or it's your Vlisco or your Nanawax. We'd love to hear from you. We'd, ha we'd love to know what it is that's working for you from a fabric perspective. Um, another quick reminder is, uh, obviously, we're going to be joined by Edgy uh, Benson, who is my counterpart um, from New York. So he'll be joining us shortly with his feedback. Uh, another quick reminder also is my favorite segment at the end of the show is called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? So feel free to share with us some of your who's and some of your whys. If you are tuned in, send us whatever it is or your thoughts as we go through the show. Our lines are also open on 0861 and we are sitting on Twitter at Fashion Lab AF. 
Now, as we discuss the textile industry, we're going to be joined in studio by Jana Masinova and Teresa Novakova of Weber. Now, a quick introduction or just background about around Weber. Weber is an, a traditional producer of jacquard woven cotton fabrics and definitely ranks to most one of the highest um, manufacturers in the world. The company concentrate, concentrates on the production of household textiles. They obviously use uh, the state-of-art textile technology with nearly 90% of their products exported mainly to Africa, Europe, and in North America. They're also an active member of the Association of Textile, Clothing, and Leather Industry. Um, they also are a part of the Clutex Cluster, also the European Technology Platform for Texas. Um, welcome to the show, Jana, Teresa. Okay. Well, as we wait to plug in uh, Jana and Teresa, uh, I just want to... Um, it's interesting. Some people feel like this is a very technical sort of conversation around textiles. But I just want to um, introduce a friend of mine who's actually visiting from San Francisco just to hear from a, lane, a layman's perspective how she actually... What she looks for. You know, when you go out into a store... And you go to, um, you know, to buy your dress or your skirt or whatever it is. You know, I'd love to just uh, kind of get that perspective from her to see how she goes around it. So, Shiko, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Liz. <laughs> now, when you go to consume, you know, products, obviously, when I t we talk products, I'm talking clothing. How do you buy your stuff? Do you... Do you care about where the fabric is is manufactured? Do you care about the fair trade? Do you care about, or do you just see a beautiful blue scarf and you say, that's how much? Or oh, it's on sale here. Come, let's go. Well, um, I really don't care much, I guess, where it's manufactured. Um, I care about how it feels, how it looks, and how much it costs. That's it. Um, first, is it on sale? The price is right. It feels good. It looks good. I'm all about it. So you don't really care where it's manufactured? No, really. Oh, wow. So this is just feedback from uh, a friend of mine who's visiting here from San Francisco who's just basically saying, listen, if it's on sale and it's blue and I, I'm looking for a blue chiffon scarf, that's what it's going to be for the day. Um, I'd love to also hear from those of you who are tuned in as to how you actually make these decisions. How do you buy clothing? Do you just literally say, I'm going to go for it, but I don't really care what the factory is? I think that I think, you know, I'm not knocking off anything. Thank you so much, Chico, for your feedback. Uh, we're going to continue with the show, but I just want to also say I think it's time for um, the continent to also be a bit more conscious about uh, the environmental um, angle of how things are produced or fabric or, you know, clothing. Uh, you know, I think uh, being eco-friendly is very crucial when it comes to the way that we play a role as entrepreneurs in this world, not just continent. And I think that I have become a bit more conscious. I mean, I still want that sale. Don't get it twisted. I still want that blue scarf for $2 if I could get it for it. <laughs> but I've become more conscious. And now I realize that when I consume, I care about saying who is the, what for, what is the brand? How is it? Are they fair trade? If they're not, then I am actually affecting people that need help that I could 
actually not want to associate with if I knew the conditions under which this workers work and all hmm. of that stuff. So thank you for joining us on, um, and thank you for your feedback. Of course. You're and, welcome. um, yes, and we will continue with this conversation around the textile industry. Like I said, we are talking to Weber, who's going to be joining us today, um, to have a very interesting conversation around what they do when it comes to their company, which concentrates on production of household textiles. Um, welcome to the show. Do we have Jana or do we have Teresa? Yes, hello. Good afternoon. We're both here. Okay, how are hello. you today? Yeah, Hi. Hello. We're fine, thank you. What are you wearing by Oh, thank you very much. Nobody asked me what I was wearing and I was starting to panic. Now, you know, it's a bit chilly here. So today I'm keeping it a bit simple. I've got some cut up jeans. Um, I've got some beautiful animal print, like a leopard print, um, nice stiletto boots. And I've got a beautiful Liz Ogumbo jacket, like a little trench uh, from a few seasons away. Um, but it's very classic. It's very timeless. Uh, with a side zip. So I'm just kind of taking it easy. It's cold. I want to feel warm. I want to be comfortable. What are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cloudy here as well. But the summer is coming soon, hopefully. Well, we're also comfortable. I'm wearing my boyfriend jeans with sneakers and a T-shirt designed by Alchemy, uh, which is a new Czech brand of, of young designers. So really feeling comfy. Fantastic. Is this Jenna or is this Teresa? This is Teresa. That was Teresa. Okay. And what is Jenna wearing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing uh, light trousers, also with a light print uh, of uh, maybe some lizard design and uh, a light top and uh, a thin padded uh, light coat. Well, that's it. <laughs> it's very nice, ladies. I love that we're all feeling simple and we're all feeling warm and we are feeling comfortable and that's what style is about. Effortlessly, right? <laughs> So now, ladies, I want to first congratulate you and congratulate Weber for carrying on the rich tradition of textile production in the Brumov region, which reaches back to the 13th century. I think for a beautiful success story, I believe there's got to be a beautiful story or some sort of beautiful history behind it. And I think that these stories of how entrepreneurs grow can also really play an imperative role for others who are building their fashion businesses. Can you guys just give us a bit of a history, just a bit of a background of where Weber, just a bit of how you've grown, where you've come from? Yeah, well, you say that uh, the history reaches back to the 13th century, which is right. But at that time, there was no uh, manufacturer. Uh, there there was some only small production in every hut uh, in the region, and uh, they all then sent, uh, sold their goods, uh, what they what they wove, and it was mainly um, in the linen, which was also uh, grown in that area. As years went by, uh, in the uh, about 160 years ago, there was the first mechanical weaving mill established in the region, and uh, that is where actually the real production. Uh, started in the 
in the larger quantity. And uh, throughout these years, actually, it was not Weber. Uh, Weber came into uh, into consideration only about 60 years ago uh, when it was established uh, before having a different name and different names throughout the years and the decades. Uh, but uh, let's say about uh, 10 years ago, we uh, we heavily started to uh, to invest in our machinery as uh, it when it was growing old already all the looms that we were having and the finishes were not up to date and so on so actually since then we have been starting uh, to to produce real big quantities uh, and we were more and more concentrating on the african market it's very impressive. Now, part of Weber's strategy is the constant improvement of quality of products linked to the company's business plan, including environmental protection. And we are talking about that because for me, that's a very sensitive um, part of how we um, conduct our businesses today. Um, could you just let's talk about that? Let's talk about uh, your environmental values or link or what it is that you're conscious about that you also apply when it comes to your textile production at Weber. Definitely, because, uh, of course, the environmental uh, part of the production is very important because uh, during during uh, the production of textiles, uh, you need a lot of water. The water cannot be polluted by chemicals that are used or the dye stuff that are used during the, the dyeing process and uh, etc cetera, etc cetera. there are lots of chemicals which me personally i don't even know perfectly mm-hmm. because those are the technicians that are taking that part but uh, uh, our company has been certified uh, for decade for decades already uh, for environmental protection of the region. As a matter of fact, the region uh, around Bromov and Nakhod and uh, the surrounding uh, towns and villages uh, is a very beautiful region, uh, a lot of nature there, agriculture. So it is very important to keep up the environmental uh, aspects of, uh, of the production. And Veva uh, is also t- Taking care of uh, the uh, the environment, also uh, of the city of Bromov. Uh, we are, as I said, we are certified for uh, environment and uh, for quality processes. You so obviously, when we talk about environment, we also care about these are products that literally go onto our skin. Obviously, and I feel like yes. Um, yes. you know, specifically textile comes into direct contact with skin, and then you obviously have to pay attention to ensuring they're harmless to the consumers who will end up wearing the clothes. What? Let's talk about some of the measures you're taking to also ensure that that is, is definitely in place. Well, we are definitely excluding um, materials, chemicals that are harmful for the human body, for the nature around, etc., and uh, we are only using uh, friendly, human-friendly uh, chemicals that are not harm- harmful. And we also have a certificate of Ecotex, which means that all the products that we are producing are friendly even for children up to three years. And we are also, uh, in terms of uh, environment, VEPA uh, has invested uh, strongly into the cleaning of the water uh, processes uh, in the Bromov region so that even the city and, uh, and surrounding villages have clean water, uh, drinking water, possibly. Besides, we 
done some calculation about the water protection and uh, because of the optimization of the processes of the latest machinery we are using and uh, well, the optimization of the of the whole uh, production process, uh, we can save up to 11 and a half million liters of water every month, uh, which means that this water would fill five Olympic-sized uh, swimming pools. Wow! So, so this is something very concrete, um, and uh, you can imagine that uh, before those measures were taken, how much water we needed. Now, with all the investment investments and uh, improvements in the process, uh, we can manage to, to to save that amount of water every month. Wow. As we're talking textile, do you guys also focus on uh, organic um, textiles, which could be inclusive of your organic cottons, your hemp, your bamboo? Do you also produce that? Well, actually, uh, um, we did have a line in the past uh, with the uh, uh, ecological, uh, eco, eco cotton. We had a line for bed linen, even for terry towels. And, and uh, in, nowadays we are also processing the bamboo uh, yarns uh, for the toweling because they are very uh, nice and smooth. But actually it is not the strongest aspect of our production. Okay, but you're still uh, you're still able to provide um, the customer or the client who's looking for that, strictly looking for that type of fabric. You're still able to supply that, I guess, based on demand. Depending on the on on his requirements, yes and no, because of course we are dependent on the suppliers of of, uh, of yarns. Uh, because uh, in our country there are no conditions for growing cotton and so on, uh, so we are we have to buy all these uh, raw materials. And uh, of course, our suppliers require a certain minimum quantity for their deliveries. So, in case the inquiry of the customer is big enough to cover a purchase of then the you mini- would cover minimum it. quantity, yeah. yes, we can comply. Yeah. Now I want to go to a more exciting. And we have um, the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want. Uh, sorry, you can go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just agree that uh, uh, we we can go to a more exciting part of that. <laughs> <laughs> so the more exciting part for me is I was just looking through some of your fabric collections, and the African brocade for me is like on fire. That's my favorite, and I could get and chew everything on that African brocade um, collection. Now, are you guys selling or trading in the continent yet? Definitely. Uh, actually, 90% of our productions uh, of our production uh, of African textile, or actually 100% of our production of African textile, goes to Africa. So, uh, so definitely, uh, we are in continent massively. And have you also considered collaborating with African artists or designers to also build your African-inspired range of fabrics, or do you do everything from the check and then just bring in for trade? Uh, definitely. Uh, we have, uh, first of all, we have our own um, designing studio, but 
of course. Uh, if you are speaking um, in terms of design, yes. we can uh, we can definitely adapt to uh, to the designers uh, from abroad, and uh, we are also um, working with uh, young talented designers. Uh, like in Nigeria, but those are more like fashion designers who are making uh, the dresses and outfits for our fashion shows. Uh, like, uh, yeah, with uh, at the coming Africa Fashion Week, uh, the designer Tubo will be making uh, our outfits for the for the showcase, and uh, we've been working with. Uh, uh, young Nigerian designers like Tayo Kutir, Dozi Kutir, Pearl Chucks, George Black, Yeti D, Elan Fashion, who, as a matter of fact, won the designing contest uh, during that event. So, yes, we are definitely co- cooperating with, uh, with African designers. Yes, and I think for me, that's one of the things I have to commend because I feel like um, Africa is also rich in many ways. And I think uh, when we have... Um, a company or an organization like Veba working uh, so hard to make sure that you fulfill uh, your mission and your goals. I love the fact that you can penetrate the continent and still be conscious enough to connect or collaborate with artisans within the continent to also help expand your story or your portfolio. So I appreciate that as an African fashion entrepreneur and as a person who <laughs> feels that we should be doing a lot to actually develop the, the continent's um, skill when it comes to the fashion business offering. So we love that. I love that. Um, am I going to be getting any of this African? Do you, is there anything special for me for just having this conversation with you? Maybe one of those beautiful African brocade fabrics. Can I maybe just point out something on the side after the show and maybe get something coming my way? <laughs> Well, <laughs> without pressure. Uh, <laughs> no, yesterday actually we we had a new launch of of, of uh, our new collection uh, of prints. It's inspired by the universe and it's called Cosmos mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's beautiful. You can you can see it on our website or on Pinterest as well as on on Facebook. So so just have a look. The the colors are stunning mm-hmm. and the designs are, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you will like it. I will so look. Just let I us can't... know your yes. choice and we'll be ready to to send you whatever you wish. Yes. I would lo- love to see what you've made out of that. Yes. In fact, for me, I think because of the entrepreneuring side of me, I'm definitely going to first get that fabric and then I'm going to woo you guys so much. You'll be like, Liz, we are definitely collaborating on a collection. But listen, the power of collaboration is, is unbelievable. And I think for me that... um Collaborations can also be done in different ways, but definitely uh, there's a space uh, for this uh, business to explode. There's a space for you guys to expand all across the continent in an amazing way. I love what you're doing. I love the pieces. I was on your website this morning. Instead of focusing on who I was going to be talking to and what I was going to be talking about, I was actually focusing on the prints that I want to send back and say, here is screenshots of what I really like. The prints are all beautiful anyway. I think it's just amazing. Thank you. Uh, the processes. I saw that you guys are, have some stuff that is also inspired by the Agbada from Nigeria. So obviously, assuming that because of the fact that you're working with this, um, designers, definitely there's some sort of cultural, um, fusion when it comes to how they design the pieces using your fabric to really bring in some sort of um, African or Nigerian narrative around uh, the pieces, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say that every market has something else to say to the to the, to the, the products we have. Uh, in, in every country, in every market is different. So, and uh, mm. so uh, we, we are working in the whole uh the Anglophone countries, and uh, there are big, big differences. Uh, uh, so definitely, uh, we are trying to cope with the full range, but it's not easy. <laughs> but it's okay. Nothing, help, uh, no, nothing, the, nothing beautiful. Yeah, nothing beautiful comes easy. So it's it's fine. We we know you're doing something serious yeah. when it's yeah, not easy. <laughs> But ladies, I've had such a good time with you um, just having this conversation around the textile industry. Now, where do you guys see the future of the textile industry, especially in the continent? I believe strongly in the future because uh, I think that the, the textile tradition um, in, uh, in the continent is very, very strong. And uh, if all the conditions and the circumstances allow, I, I strongly believe that uh, the synergy of uh, our production and, uh, and, and the continent, the customers there, uh, will work and uh, that we will build up a very strong relation with the countries that we are working with. It's beautiful. Thank you, ladies, for coming on to the show. We are going to definitely connect offline. Um, how can our listeners um, connect with you? Um, could you just share your Twitter handles or how, Facebook or website just for our listeners to also connect? So we are on Facebook, we are on Pinterest, and we are uh, on Instagram. Uh, just search for Beba Fashion. Or you can visit our website, which is www.beba.cz slash en for, for the English version of the site. Thank you very much, ladies. You can Happy also send us an email. Y- yes. We can, you can also send us an email at bebanigeria at beba.cz. Thank you so much, ladies. It's been lovely having you on the show, and we look forward to connecting in a bigger way. Um, have a lovely day. Stay warm, stay sassy, and stay simple in that look, whatever it is that thank you. Thank you very much. And and you know, and we will connect again. But thank you. We really appreciate what you're doing um, within the textile industry, and good luck with Weber. Thank, thank you, you very much. Pleasure. All right. Thank goodbye. Thank you for having us. Thank you. That was Weber. We've been speaking to, uh, and Weber is a traditional producer of jacquard woven cotton fabrics and ranks to most important manufacturers in the world. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Business leaders around the globe are committing to building a better world for everyone. Cliffcentral.com is joining forces with the Sympathy Sleepout, taking a stand for the plight of the homeless. We invite you to participate with us in the Sympathy Sleepout on the 28th of July, 2016. Join the ranks of leaders of change by using your influence for what truly matters. Sign up now for the Sympathy Sleepout on www.theceosleepoutza.co.za. That's theceosleepoutza.co.za. Download the Cliff Central app, available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com. 
Welcome back. This is the Fashion Lab and we are talking textile industry. We've just been having a conversation with Weber around what they're doing in this amazing lucrative industry. Now, I want to share a quick, uh, you know, just uh, Lerato Mbele from BBC um, also just has something to share around Ghana's largest um, textile factory. I thought it was very interesting. It's funny how people look at print these days and think, oh, that's African print. But the truth behind it is not everything that looks like an African print is actually what we call. So you can't, for example, in Kenya, you, you go and buy a kitenge. You can't call it a kitenge these days because kitenge was something else. It was a real African print that was hand, that was woven in a certain way. There were certain things that made it get that name. That's why it was called kitenge. Now you've had so you have so many counterfeits coming into the market that you don't even know what's what anymore. And that's why when people are talking about, oh, I'm in an African print, so I'm wearing African. No, you're not. Like I want to just share what Leratumbele has. Um, keep it locked. We'll also tweet up the link. It's a symphony of color as yards of fabric are processed. The bright designs are popular in this part of the world, symbols of a vibrant culture. Basically, it's cotton grown from the northern part of Ghana. Kofi Boateng runs Ghana's largest textile factory, and he's showing me around. First, white cloth is cut, measured, and then cleaned. Thereafter, some of it is waxed and dyed. The process creates wooden, a texture fabric that has come to define West African fashion. And yet, all of this started far away in Asia. This is how it all began more than 150 years ago. Simple technology used to amalgamate the wax and the dye to create these bold patterns. The designs were done in Indonesia. The technology adopted by the Dutch and more than a hundred years later, fabrics that we call African print. Despite the heavy machinery, fabric making is quite labor intensive. By hand blocking the designs onto the material, Ghanaians are able to add a local touch. We are using Ghanaian labor. We are using um, Ghanaian designs. One of the designs that you see is a spider, which we call Anansi. So Anansi is in the folklore of, folklore of Ghana. Right now, the economy faces challenges. We have the currency depreciation and we have the energy crisis. We need a lot of support from the government. The government should help us to enforce our copyright laws and give us some, some subsidies. Textiles once made up a quarter of manufacturing in Ghana. Today, there's only a handful of textile factories and many jobs have been lost. The economy is one problem. Counterfeit goods is another. The situation is so bad that the company has enlisted the help of a young gender activist to fight the problem using technology. We've decided to put some um, numbers on all of our labels. And so when someone, let's say you go and you buy a fabric, you're able to authenticate the fabric by scratching off the barcode. Right. And then you send a text to 1393 and then it should automatically tell you that your, your fabric is real or fake. The streets are harder to police as textiles are sold in open markets. Young fashion lovers need to have a discerning eye. At the end of the day, you realize that the patterns and the designs are sort of African-inspired. You know? So people aren't really bothered about where it was made from. They are just concerned about what they see when they pick up the fabric 
and that's the, the, the pattern, you know, and they feel they can relate to it in a way. Ghana's streets are buzzing, brought to life by fashion and shoppers. This is what drives the textile industry. However, more needs to be done to protect the creativity of the locals, and experts believe that improving textiles and manufacturing can provide a much-needed boost to Ghana's otherwise ailing economy. Wow, that is uh, the conversations that people don't want to hear. And uh, the truth is that, you know, the textile industry is is, is, is very crazy like that. I mean, so I think uh, for consumers who care about, you know, what you're wearing, it's nice to pay more attention. When someone tells you this is Ankara, you can't just say it's Ankara because of the colors. That's not Ankara. Uh, so I think education um, and information around uh, these fabrics and what's really going on is very crucial. I think that the retailers should also be in a position to really, um, you know, help the consumer because I don't think a lot of consumers know what they're buying and that's why people think they're buying African. Well, they're buying prints, but it's not what they think is African print. Anyway, I want to continue the conversation and... Uh, we want to roll over to Echoes from New York with Edgy Benson. A uh, quick introduction about Edgy is he's uh, got a fashion company, uh, fashion services company based in New York that he runs, sourcing services to fashion designers and fashion houses such as Vera Wang, Chloe, Bill Blass, Kate Spade, and for stores like Harrods, Saks, and Colette Paris. Um, he's been doing this since 2004, and we would like to welcome him to also just pick his mind with his Echoes from New York. Edgy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Liz. How are you guys? We are good. How are you today? I'm very good. And what are you wearing? Um, jeans again and a t-shirt. It's early. It should be creative. So why don't you just like come up with what you think you wanted to wear so that even if you're in something else, <laughs> you, you can surprise me. You know, it, I will not think you're wearing it. If you say skate, you skate or you're on skateboards and I'll, I'll be cool. I'll just be like, you know, fashion is a creative industry. You can just create things and like, but anyway, it's cool. As long as you're comfortable, <laughs> edgy and you feel good. That's what matters, right? All right, next week I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something nice. You can even tell me what you're wearing next week if you want. But anyway, let's go straight. <laughs> let's go straight to the echoes from New York Edge. You've heard us talking to Weber um, around the textile uh, um, uh, business that they run, and um, how crucial it is, and how big it is as well, and how they're also partnering. Um, and collaborating with some of the artisans or designers within the continent to actually expand their portfolio. And I think, and you know me, that I, in my heart, that's really, for me, is normally the bottom line. It's really what matters. It's like if you're doing something and you're penetrating into the continent, uh, the collaboration is is what we really care about. What are your thoughts on this conversation? Uh, listening to them, it, it's, I mean, I think we're very lucky to have uh, companies like that with such uh, reputation and such um, knowledge in fabrics working in, in the continent. Um, so that, that part is fantastic. It's just right now, I think for Africa to compete in, in, in the global fashion world, a lot of social issues are, are driving the textile industry. And I want to see how how that happens in Africa too, you know, uh, where that is driving fabrics. I want to see how that happens in Africa. So I think listening to them, I know the, the, the fabrics are there and, 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 and listening to what the people are doing in Ghana, you know that the technology 
and the desire for it is there, the, the effort is there, but how do we reflect what's happening in the overall uh, textile and fashion industry in, in Africa? I think that's the challenge for us. Right now, like in New York uh, and all over, uh, companies like Costco and companies like even Walmart, uh, Koliba and, and Ray, they, they are focusing on how climate and social issues are affecting fabrics, are affecting clothing uh, ideas from people. You know, people want to, people are more conscious now. So they are focusing on clothing that is UVF protected, uh, climate cool, uh, clothing that doesn't sweat too much when you sweat. But when you think of Africa and our climate, how hot it is, then you wonder, you, you can see it's such a big opportunity for um, textile manufacturers and textile vendors. Imagine if we can have UVF protected cotton in Africa, uh, you know, it would be amazing. So I think that's where we, that's where we need to focus on how we can reflect all these social changes, all these environmental changes in Africa too, as they are reflected here. But, yeah, but, yeah, and Edgy, but don't you also think that maybe um, information or education to the consumer is also key? Because the things that are dropping into the retail um, space in the continent are shocking. And uh, when you look at retailers and what they're selling when it comes to fabric and what the consumers are consuming, consuming, thinking that they are consuming something that they actually are not consuming, it is because of their ignorance or lack of knowledge that they are actually moving on and buying things that they think they're buying, but they're actually buying or consuming the wrong products. Don't you think that knowledge is, is probably also a very crucial part of what we need to, 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 to do? Is how do you inform consumers? How is it that you go into a store and you're buying fabric and you don't, they don't even know the name of the fabric they're selling you? Edgy. Yeah, I think, I think knowledge, is, <laughs> knowledge is the key, actually. Knowledge is the key. And, and knowledge we get from outside participation in the industry, like companies like Weber, companies like Blisco. But I'm not so sure that when they come to Africa, because the environment is not that challenging, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that they're giving us, um, where they are, they are where the industry is. In Africa, you know, because we are actually not that challenging a market for them because of, like you said, a lack of knowledge. But again, it's a catch-22 thing, though, because we get knowledge from outside participation. It's not like you just you can't just read about what's happening in 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 the in, in the textile industry. You actually have to touch and feel. To, you have to see the changes. You can't really just read about them. And those will come with, you know. Vendors in, in, in South Africa, vendors in Nigeria, I mean, textile vendors offering uh, new, new age fabrics, whether it's in leather, whether it's in, in, in fur. Uh, they, they are, the, the quality of the fake fur right now, the quality of the fake leather that we offer, you know, it's, it's just incredible. You know, I do yeah. not know. Yeah, and uh, sorry, I want to put you on hold there for a minute. Those are the things that bother me. Why do we have fake leather? First of all, let's just go there. Why do we even have fake fur? Like I said, I didn't kill the fox. I just got the jacket and I love style. And I'm now one of the people at the same time, Edgy, as much as I didn't kill the fox and I love my fur, I'm also um, trying to cater for the market because I'm in business. And now I've been forced by the market and demand of faux fur to actually 
provide and sell, produce and sell faux far. So I've got some really hot faux far jackets um, sitting in the showroom. But they're not, I'm not happy with the idea because I'm like, why am I, like, if I want red wine that's, if I want a vintage bottle of red wine that's like a, a, a 1998 beautiful Morgan Star or some sort of beautiful vintage wine, I don't, I'm not going to go into the shop and say, show me the fake vintage. There's no fake vintage. It's one or it's, you know, if it's Coke, it's Coke. It's not going to be Mirinda. If it's Mirinda in a Coke bottle, it's the, that's false advertisement. So I just feel like, why do we even have, Fake leather. Why have we been doing well, four Why are we doing all this? And then, you, and then the worst thing is Edgy is on the other side of the world telling me, Liz, it is beautiful. You need to see this beautiful faux leather. What do you want me no, to do, but, Edgy? What do you want me to do? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Fashion <laughs> and textiles are being driven by social changes, you know, social consciousness. You know, mm. that's, that's just people are eating less meat. You know, quite honestly, <laughs> are you, serious? you know, there's I, such a drive for vegetarian stuff. And so there's just so much care for animals. The, the, the trajectory of the fashion industry, to be honest with you, is, is moving away from anything that we killed, you know? into something that we we developed. Edgy, that's, so, that, let me put you on post there because these fashion heads are the ones who are eating the biggest steaks in town. <laughs> so don't tell me about, yeah, I'm wearing fake leather because I care about the animals, but your plate is running off a steak, falling over. Like, social please. change, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, li- I'll leave that for the side. So. Telling, it is quite telling. I mean, it is really driving the industry. So, for textile vendors in Africa, it is something that they must listen to. It's something that we have to expose African designers to. Because if they are going to compete in Europe, if they are going to compete in the U.S., of course they've got to be socially conscious enough to know mm, and have the biggest you know, steak and the biggest yeah. um, pork. Uh, no pork, they don't even eat. Let me tell you, the biggest steak, and then for dinner, it's the pork belly. So I don't know what's happening, but all I want to say is a question to you, Edgy, is. When it comes to the fact that we say and we have realized that there's a lot of fake materials flooding the market, um, damaging local creativity and profits, would you put that fake leather in the same category as the fake prints that people are calling Ankara? I'm like, that's not Ankara. Don't be a fool. That's we know what's what. Don't tell me it's Mirinda when it, we know it's cock. <laughs> it's not even. In fact, don't even tell me it's Shasta. Because there's another one called Shasta, I think. You know, okay, look, just call it Coke if it's Coke. And then all I'm saying is, do you think that the leather, could we then say that the fake leather, the fake fur, all this, while people are bashing the fake uh, African prints, the fake leather and faux fur and everything else that's fake is fake, don't you think? So what are we even talking about? And how come people are not bashing the fake, uh, the people who are actually producing this fake leather and and fake faux fur? Four far. Let, let's say, I would say, let's do a word, a, a play on words. Okay. When you say fake, it sounds a bit inferior and not that great. Okay, but so when let you me use four. Okay, but uh, but in fr- yes, but better. in French, but in French, four is fake. I don't know why people yeah. think it sounds better in Italian when it's the same thing. I know, thing. I know. But oh. to be honest with you, the technology that is being, uh, the technology that goes into producing <laughs> the four four and the the, the four letter that we are using in the industry, it's a, it's like, it's so new age. It's so, um, it's so dedicated. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's nothing to be confused with, uh, fake, uh, fake Ankara, 
you know, because that's the people just trying to print Ankara on some, some <laughs> bad fabric. It's totally different. Fake fur and fake leather are dedicated technologies, you know, um, that are just there because fashion and the environment yeah. have to connect, you know, yes. um, so that fashion can move forward. Uh, but it's nothing to do. I think in Africa, we suffer from just the ignorance. Like we talk, we don't have enough market exposure and everybody just feels like they can dump a lot of things on Africa, you know, so you get a lot of, it's very easy to confuse fake fur with fake Ankara. They're totally different, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that education. I'm also getting educated, but I'm also just um, throwing in what the average person would also throw in because it's it's just confusing. It's like, gosh, what else are we going to do? We're going to have steak and then talk about, oh, you can't do this. Anyway. But um, Liz, Liz, think about this. What if we had a company in Africa that offered UVF protected cotton instead of the wax cotton? Just think about that. Our temperatures rise so high. Just think about that. A company like Weber investing in 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 uvf protected cotton do, in, do they in, do they do, do they do that already uh, is weber doing that is, is that on their no portfolio? no no but i'm saying what what an opportunity africa offers to a fabric vendor who can do that because our weather just calls for that but do you not think cost wise are we talking like what would it be and would it would it end up retailing for double the price of the regular cotton and you think the average african who cares about their family what bread is put on the table and all the other things do you think that they'll be like oh this is uvf they'll be like who for no, that it will for actually price? cost cheaper trust oh, me okay Okay, yeah, that's because the, the, the technology exists already. It's just not being applied in Africa. But do you, you know? so do the, do the retailers in the U.S., are they selling that now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, when you go to, even at Adidas and Nike, you're buying Climate Cool and Dry Fit uh, Athletics that, that, that you don't sweat too much in. Mm. And we are offering UVF protected swimwear, uh, day wear, all, all kinds of stuff, you know? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So t tell me, Edgy, now, because of the fact that there's so much interest um, in the continent when it comes to, you know, just textile farms showing interest in moving parts of their production, like H&M uh, for Ethiopia, uh, U.S. company PVH, which also, uh, I think, are looking at production in Kenya soon, or they may have. You may know a bit about that. Do you think, where do you see the future of um, of this textile industry in the continent? Oh, I mean, to be honest with you, we, we are totally untouched. So when you think of how much cotton we produce in Africa and how much industry actually uses this cotton, I mean, it shows you how much room there is for us to grow. We, our cotton doesn't have to go to China to be processed. Mm. It can be processed locally. It's just a question of be, having the right, and the, the right technology and the right infrastructure yes. and the right uh, business temperament for, for investors to come in. Right now, it's very difficult. It's scary sometimes um, for investors to come in. But I think once the environment stabilizes, once Africa can create pockets like Ethiopia mm. in a few places, uh, Kenya is coming up, Ethiopia is doing well. But I think as more as we create more and more pockets where investors feel at peace and mm. secure, mm. all of those things are coming because, I mean, they don't have to ship this raw materials anywhere. They, they're, they're right there. 
Hmm. And uh, from a design perspective for the fashion brands, what uh, would you uh, propose or how would you, what would be your parting shots to designers who are in the continent who are still confused about uh, should I buy the fabric or should I spend all of this money printing uh, my fabric or should I actually just invest? I wonder if there's partnerships. I'm sure there is an opportunity for partnerships with um, textile companies like Veba who may be able to sit and help uh, fashion designers and brands produce their own fabric at a lower uh, at a lower cost because I've told you when I've told you over and over again that you know when it comes to printing your own print here in the continent it is ridiculous mm-hmm. like we are we are it's too much and now if you look at the rand and the dollar oh my gosh i know the rand is not the rest of the whole continent but please guys we are dying here like the rand is killing us but with all of what's going on and, and, you know, what would be, what would you propose to the fashion uh, brands and the fashion designers who are looking for more cost effective ways um, when it comes to putting that signature on your print and it actually uh, is commercially viable, it makes sense, it brings you back the profits that you deserve in this uh, industry? I think... When it comes to African designers and textiles, I think the important thing, first of all, is to actually be aware of, just know enough about textiles, have a great textile, great fabric and silhouette relationship. And then I think your ambitions will provide the opportunities. If you, if you have mm-hmm. the ambition to say, okay, this season I'm going to produce a particular kind of print, it's my print, mm-hmm. and you go to a company like Weber and you can have a conversation mm-hmm. and you can say, this is what I want in my fabric. I don't want it too waxed. I want it waxed and washed, which is actually something African designers could do very well. You could wax the fabric and wash it. Wow. It's the challenge of the companies, of the fabric companies, to give you a fabric waxed and washed that still works, you know, because it softens the fabric. You don't have to walk around like a cardboard, you know? Mm. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so there's all of these things, but I think opportunity and ambition have to collide to force the, the, the textile industries to serve the African designers better. And that comes from African designers actually knowing what they want, you know, knowing, t- taking the time to learn about fabrics enough. And, you know, we can help. We can do whatever we need to help. But I think that it has, there has to be an, it, like an intrinsic desire to want to learn about fabrics. Edgy, thank you so much for your input. We always appreciate it and uh, love having these conversations with you because you always bring it from a different um, uh, approach, from a different direction, from a different outlook. And so it's really been cool having you on the show. Before we wrap up, can we, who would you want to address and why real quick before we go? <laughs> and I'm starting with you. It's only me and you. So who would you want to address my, and why? This is always my gotcha moment. And you can't say me today because it's enough. <laughs> enough is enough now. I want to dress me today. Edgy. Between you and me and me and you. <laughs> and, you yes. and your neighbor. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. And why would you want to dress you? Because I'm assuming you already dress you. But why would you want to dress you? Well, the reason I say that is because today in New York, one of the hottest things that is happening in menswear is the jog pants, where we're doing amazing denims in in terry in 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 uh, in, a, in a terry neat and all the high-end designers are are doing it so I, it's just something that i i want to bring out there because i think in africa it would be fantastic for designers to do this i know it's so traditional all the time 
but yeah, I would like to dress myself today in in some really cool jog jeans. Mm. Well, I, on the flip side, would want to dress uh, my girl who's sitting here. Her name is Maureen. She's just arrived from San Francisco. She's one of oh, my BFFs. Yes, and I dragged her with me in studio. And she's got a very beautiful energy. She's got a, you know, she's a tall, uh, nice looking, uh, you know, Kenyan girl. And uh, she's got some sass. Uh, I know her personality. I know her character. So I'd want to definitely dress her. Thank God she's already wearing me. But this time around, we're really going to like, we're just going to take it to a whole new level. So she's who I want to dress. Otherwise, to all of our listeners, um, we are on www.fashionlabafrica.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter on Fashion Lab AF. If you want to continue this conversation offline, we can do that. Edgy, thank you so much for your time. Um, keep it real. And uh, we will continue to see how we can definitely take this um, textile conversations to a whole new level. I'd love to see Africa become more independent when it comes to fabric uh, or textile manufacturing and production and distribution and just how we play around with it and keep it circulated within the continent. So it's been Absolutely. a beautiful topic. Yes. Thank you so much. We will be in touch and uh, stay warm, you know. Yes, peace and, and say to Maureen for me. Yes, <laughs> we will. Peace and love to all our listeners. Until next time. Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com.